You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this show, we're going to be discussing Arsenal's dilemma with regards to Julian Brandt. We're going to be discussing the player that Arsenal are eyeing up as Alexander Lacazette's long-term replacement and we'll be discussing the latest update uh, from the Premier League with regards uh, to the positive test results uh, registered between the 28th of December and the 3rd of January. So as always, lots and lots to get into. A big hello to everybody joining us live already in the chat. Uh, A big hello to those of you joining us uh, via Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, wherever it is you join us from. Hello um, and welcome to the show. A uh, bit of housekeeping first off. If you haven't already, make sure you like the video. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel, turn on the notifications. Um, and I'm going to be putting out a poll actually at the end of this show because um, I, I, I'm getting fed up of this, this bloody lockdown hair and beard and, you know, a few of you were commenting the other day that I was wearing a cap backwards and that was to cover this shocking hair um, that I can't really do nothing with at the moment because I can't get to a barbershop. So I'm going to put out a poll out. Should I or should I not just shave it all off now that we're in lockdown? Not football related, but I'm interested to know what you guys uh, think on that as well. Uh, big hello to Simpy in the chat. Um, big hello to Oliver Noble who joins us from Germany. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. And to Nicholas Walton, uh, who joins us from Jamaica. Welcome to the programme. Hope you're all well. Uh, Let's kick off then by discussing Arsenal's dilemma with regards to Julian Brandt. Now, I think when Arsenal were initially linked with Julian Brandt, everybody thought that this was going to be the type of transfer that was going to require some serious money. for us to be able to get it all over the line. Um, you know, he was signed from Bayer Leverkusen in the summer of, of, of 2019 for around about 22 and a half million pounds uh, is what, what I understand. So, you know, you can understand why Dortmund may want to make a profit now with Julian Brandt, but if they do sell Julian Brandt now, if they do decide to let the player go, it's because it's not working out for him at Borussia Dortmund. Do you always make a profit? on players um, whose careers aren't quite working out? No, you don't. Uh, that, that's the reality of it. Borussia Dortmund are a club notoriously good in the transfer market. They identify players, they bring them in uh, for reasonable amounts of money, and they normally end up, uh, in the case of so many, selling them on uh, for mega, mega money. Now, the reason I'm talking about Julian Brandt's value, what Julian Brandt was signed for by Bayern Leverkusen, is because there are a number of reports doing the rounds at the moment. Uh, Chris Wheatley reported it yesterday. It's also been reported by a number of outlets um, today as well and, and yesterday. The Borussia Dortmund will be looking for around about 25 million euros for Brandt. Now, 25 million euros, what's that? 22, 23 million pounds. It seems like a very reasonable amount for a player 
of Julian Brandt's quality. Now, I said it hasn't worked out for him at Borussia Dortmund necessarily, and 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 that's true, you know. But look at his record uh, previously and and during his time at Dortmund, which isn't even that bad, incidentally. Look at his time at Bayer Leverkusen, 215 appearances for Bayer Leverkusen, 42 goals and 51 assists. That is 93 direct goal contributions in 215 games. We're not talking about a striker here. We're talking about somebody who is very much a number 10, likes to play in the hole, likes to play in between the lines and make things happen. Since joining Borussia Dortmund, Julian Brandt has played 64 times, scored eight goals and provided 14 assists. So again, we're talking about 22 goal contributions in uh, 64 appearances. You're looking at around about uh, a goal contribution in every three games. And then, of course, he's a full German international. Um, 35 appearances for uh, the Mannschaft, if that's what the Germans call it, uh, the German national team. Anyway, 35 appearances and three goals uh, for the German national side as well. So we're talking about a very accomplished player here. And I would argue that in terms of their previous, in terms of their credentials, in terms of where they um, have got to in their careers, Julian Brandt is up here and Emmy Buendia is down here. Now, a lot of people are on the Buendia hype train and, and, and I want to get your thoughts in the comments as well. So please feel free to drop those in. I will come to as many um, as I can between now and the end of the show. But, you know, the, the point I'm trying to make, you know, Buendia may go on uh, to achieve good things in the Premier League. And if we do sign him, of course, I'll be the first person um, sitting there hoping for him to do well and urging him to do well. But if Norwich are going to want 20 plus million for Buendia, 25 million, 30 million, but you can get Julian Brandt for that same money. I'm leaning towards Julian Brandt because of, of all the factors I've just mentioned. You know, you're talking about... Um, you're talking about their age. Let me just double check, but I'm pretty sure uh, Julian Brandt is 24. Yeah, he's 24 years old. And Emiliano Buendia is also 24 years old. So in terms of their age, they're at the same point. One has played regular international football for one of the biggest, most powerful footballing nations in the world, has played for massive clubs in Borussia Dortmund and Bayer Leverkusen, plays Champions League football, um, you know, and, and, and you're talking about a player of that ilk of that pedigree being available for the same price as somebody who's had one season in the premier league ever did okay in it, but it's one season in the premier league looks good in the championship, but it's the championship. Uh, they're both at the same age. And, and so you can see why Arsenal have a bit of a dilemma here. Now, I, I believe that Arsenal probably thought that M somebody like Emmy Buendia would be available at a lot less money than Julian Brandt. But this, you know, revelation, if you want to call it that, that Borussia Dortmund are only actually looking for around about 25 million euros for Julian Brandt, I think changes things. And that's why I called it a Brandt dilemma, because now you've got Arsenal who probably were sitting there thinking that he was way out of their price range and not somebody that would be a realistic target in January, turn their attention to the Buendia. Having had some informal discussions with regards to Buendia, they've learned actually for the money that they would go and invest in Buendia, they could actually go and get somebody like Julian Brandt, who is a lot more accomplished, who's done a lot more in his career, and who, in my opinion, has played 
at a higher level. Well, it's not even my opinion. It's fact. He's played at a much higher level over a much longer period of time. We know Buendia is on the shortlist too, um, but does Brandt's relatively low asking price tempt Arsenal into trying to land the more experienced German? That is the question here. An experienced German who's played international football, Champions League football, Bundesliga football. You know, um, you never know. I've seen some Arsenal, you know, fans say, no, Brandt won't be available for that price because, as I said earlier on, they want to make a big profit on him. Well, if they recuperate their money, which they'd be doing in this case for a player who's not necessarily performing at Borussia Dortmund right now, I don't think Dortmund would be adverse to that given the current climate, given the given the situation that everybody finds themselves in at the moment. You know, the, the Bundesliga clubs have been hit really badly by all of this. They've been hit by badly by this, probably more than the Premier League clubs, because from what I understand, having done some commentaries at the back end of last season on the Bundesliga, they needed the season to resume so that they could get paid their TV money, the, the second part of it. Whereas I think, if I'm not mistaken, in the Premier League, they receive those funds up front um, and they receive, if not all of it, a larger proportion of it up front. Um, so, yeah, uh, that, that that's my take on it. I, I genuinely believe that. Um, I think that now that this is the situation, now that the figures are starting to be quoted and we're starting to get an idea of price points, I think Arsenal have a bit of a dilemma here. Do they uh, go for Julian Brandt, who's available uh, seemingly at the same price as somebody like Emi Buendia uh, and has far, far more experience? Or... Do they uh, look at the, the guy who's been playing his football uh, at Norwich City and dis- and think that he is the right option? I don't know. Um, but I do think it is a bit of a dilemma now. And I thought where Arsenal probably felt like Brandt was out of reach, they'll probably be a little bit surprised to learn that 25 million euros might do it. And that could cause them a little bit of a dilemma. Um, let's see what you guys are saying in the live chat. I know from previous shows that we've done, uh, that lots of you are on board with the idea of of bringing in um, Emi Buendia. And as I said, if he comes, I'll be the first person to get behind him and support him. I'm just not sure about it. And and that's my honest opinion. That's all I can do is give you my honest take on it. Um, going back to what I said earlier, should I shave it off? Should I shave the beard off? Everybody's saying shave it. Um, <laughs> shave it all, Harry. Then wear an Arsenal beanie. <laughs> you know what? I've got this one from I think it's last year's membership pack sitting next to me here on the sofa Santa hat out of date now but we got plenty of hats around the place <laughs> uh bad boy says shave it as well Omar says shave it all off uh flow show says I shaved mine during the last lockdown just for the fun of it it was refreshing and it's all grown back now there you go a uh, big hello to Krubs um and a big hello to Aussie Brown this is big ups Harry Aussie from Jamaica love the show love the intelligent and insightful discussions thank you so much Really appreciate that. <clears throat> right. Let's go through some of your comments with regards to the Brant Buendia dilemma. Who would you prefer to see at the Arsenal? Sanjeev says Julian Brandt is the heir to Marco Royce. As a Borussia Dortmund supporter, I would be gutted if he goes. He can decide games on his own. There you have it, guys. A Borussia Dortmund supporter telling you how good Julian Brandt is, how highly he's thought of uh, by the fan base there. Um, Charles Joseph says Arsenal doesn't have money. Stop linking them with high caliber players. Arsenal didn't have money in the summer, but they spent 45 million pounds on Thomas Partey. 
you know, if Arsenal really want to get something done, they will get something done. Make no bones about that. Make no mistake about that. We have a very, very wealthy owner who demonstrated in the summer that actually, um, contrary to all the sort of criticism that he receives, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, unwarranted or anything like that, but contrary to all of the, the bad press he gets, actually, he did put his hand in his pocket during the summer. Arsenal were banking on selling a number of players. It didn't happen. We ended up shipping a few out on loan. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I think that if Arsenal identify a player in there, particularly in that price region, you know, 20, 25 million pounds isn't going to be the end of the world uh, for a club of Arsenal football club size or for, for Stan Kroenke. So I think that Arsenal, if they do identify the right player, if the right player becomes available, I do think that the club will spend money. I do think that they have money. I acknowledge that it isn't a major amount and it isn't an amount that is in comparison to what the likes of Chelsea or Manchester City could spend or Manchester United, but it will, you know, 20, 25 million, I think is achievable. Uh, Miss Shane says, I wouldn't go for Brandt. He's a FIFA signing. Buendia for me. Um, Omar also agrees. Not sure about Brandt, to be honest. Buendia for me. Um, I'll come back to Chris Pantelli's comment in a little bit. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Flow Show says, Judge, judging by YouTube videos I've seen, I prefer Brandt. A says, don't think Brandt would suit the Premier League. Um, Sanjeev says, Brandt is inconsistent, but genius at the same time. Watched the game against Leipzig at the back in the last season. He was amazing. Harish Kumar says, Buendia for me, because he has Premier League experience and he's also playing great in the Championship which is a tough place. Um, Don Saki says, hello, Harry. Don't you think because of Werner and Kai, the board will be hesitant to go for Brandt? No, not necessarily. Um, you know, I think that Chelsea obviously went out and spent serious, serious money on, on Kai Havertz and, and Julian Brandt. But when you go and spend 50 million plus on a player, and then they don't perform. Eyebrows will be raised. I think nowadays, if you spend 20, 25 million on a player and it doesn't really work out, there'll be a lot less heat. Um, you know, Chelsea are obviously punching in a different weight category altogether when it comes to transfer budgets. And, you know, that's been the case uh, between us and them for years and years and years. I don't think Arsenal should be put off uh, by what's happened with with Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. I actually, you know, despite the fact they're not doing great at the moment, I actually think that both of them will come good in time. I saw a fair bit of Kai Havertz in particular at the back end of last season when, as I mentioned, I was commentating on Bundesliga games. I think it was just pure coincidence, but I ended up with about four or five Bayer Leverkusen games and I thought Kai Havertz was really, really good. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Matt Whitman says 45 to 50 million for both. And our midfield is looking great again. Wouldn't that be nice if Arsenal were to go get both? But equally, you've got to think about Emil Smith-Rowe now, a player that we've all been extremely excited about, a player who's come into the side and made quite the impact. Will Wood bringing both in potentially prevent um, Emil Smith-Rowe developing and getting the chances and the game time he needs to continue? Um Ekene Ogbodo says, Harry, Buendia is exactly what Arsenal need at this point. All these German hyped up players like Werner and Havertz, Buendia is Premier League proven. Furthermore, most German and French clubs are championship level. What are you talking about? No, they're not. Um, they're not championship level, are they? I mean, 
you know that's not true that 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 is not true you know it's it's that is the premier league bias and the english football bias that just shines through time and time again from from fans who follow the premier league you know an eighth place side and you said most of the teams right so obviously you're not talking about bayern munich you're not talking about psg whatever go and pick the eighth place side in the bundesliga and put them against the eighth place side in the championship and they beat them they beat them you know, it, 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 that's that's the reality of it. I, I don't I don't agree with that. I, I really don't. And, you know, don't underestimate what playing at a big club means and the pressures that come with that and how that makes you learn and how you develop and how you learn to handle pressure. You know, playing for somebody like Marseille, for example. Let's say put Marseille into there, right? And let me, you know what, let me pick up the French Ligue 1 table. And we can pick someone even further down the line if you want. I don't know how the table stands there. But look, French Ligue 1, right? Monaco are in sixth. Okay, Marseille. Bordeaux even, 13th. Saint-Étienne, a massive, massive football club. The most successful club in France um, of all time. You know, Saint-Étienne, 14th place in the league. Are you telling me that playing for Saint-Étienne or playing for Bordeaux or playing for Monaco... Uh, Marseille doesn't have more pressure than playing for, you know, who's eighth in the Premier League? Southampton. Uh, no, forget the Premier. We're not even talking about the Premier League, are we? We're talking about the Championship. Are you telling me that a club like Saint Etienne, like Bordeaux, like Marseille, like Monaco, doesn't bring more pressure than playing for somebody like Reading or Stoke City? Or all due respect to these clubs, but Barnsley. Bristol City, of course it does. It's a completely different kettle of fish. You play for these clubs, you're expected to win every single week. The championship, whatever you say, it's the second tier in English football for a reason. It's not as good as the Premier League. You know, would championship clubs survive in the Champions League or the Europa League like some of the French clubs do, like some of the German clubs? Absolutely not. I, I, I couldn't disagree more with that point. Thank you for the question, the point. Um, because I love to hear you guys' opinions and I love to debate them, obviously, respectfully. Uh, thank you for that. But I just completely, completely disagree. Uh, Giovanni says, I was unsure at first about Buendia, but then I saw that stat that only Kev and Trent created more chances than him last season. This season, he's among the top 10, 10 chance creators in Europe. Could be a gem. Could be a gem. Yes, agreed. But this was my point from the very beginning. If you can spend £25 million on a player who is a gem or a player who could be a gem, which one do you go for? You know, it's not like Buendia's younger and you, you look at him and you think, yeah, actually, Buendia has still, you, you're measuring him on potential as well. They're, they're the same age. And Julian Brandt has played for Bayer Leverkusen, plays for Borussia Dortmund, has played Champions League football, international football for Germany. For me, there is just no comparison right now. Um what else are you guys uh, saying here? Um, let's pick out a couple more uh, comments uh, with regards to this. Uh, big shout out to Topher again, who's always in the chat, urging you guys to like, share and subscribe. And and please do. Uh, it is so, so important. And we're bringing you two streams a day now. Um, so your support is, is more appreciated than ever now. Um, please hit the like button, share, subscribe. If you're listening via the audio as well, um, then please uh, do leave us a review. Uh, let's see what you guys are saying. Um, lots of you saying Buendia in Jacarau. I don't know how that works because they don't play in anywhere 
near the same position. Um, you know, one's an attacking midfielder who can play on the right-hand side, on the left-hand side, and one is a deep-lying defensive midfield player, if you like. I, You know, I, I don't get that comparison. I really don't. Uh, Aditya says, no way the German and French clubs are championship level. Um, Dilly Dilly says, Norwich can win the championship without Buendia, surely. This is another thing, isn't it? People thought that Arsenal would be able to bully Norwich into getting Buendia for a really low-cost amount. And this is what I'm talking about. This is why I keep calling this a dilemma because you've gone from thinking that Buendia would be available for like 10, 15 million pounds and then Brandt would be 30, 35 million pounds when actually they're both valued by their clubs at around about the same price if we're to believe the reports. And so, yes, Norwich can win the championship without Buendia, but Norwich wouldn't sell Buendia on the cheap, would they? And risk missing out on the hundred million pounds plus that would come with a promotion. And they will feel, given Buendia's form this season, that obviously they have a greater chance of achieving promotion with Buendia in the side. Uh, let's see what else, um, what else people are saying. Kunte says, no one is telling you Brandt is injury prone and inconsistent. I know he's injury prone. I know he's inconsistent or has been inconsistent of late. Um, he says, great consistent players in Germany rarely move abroad. Think, don't get excited by every transfer talk. That's unfair though, isn't it? Again, they don't move abroad because they moved to Bayern Munich, who are one of the biggest, most powerful reigning European champions, unbelievable side that's on their doorstep. Why would you move? You know, it's like, it's like when players used to, you know, the cast your mind back to the premier league in the late nineties, you know, and early two thousands, every top, top player from English football, you know, forget Arsenal because Arsenal used to go and recruit from abroad with Arsene Wenger, but every top player in the premier league, where did they end up? Manchester United. They ended up at Manchester United because that was the place to be in England. And why would you then go abroad if you can get the same thing at Manchester United? So people like Lewandowski, Muller, they're all great players. Um, you know, but don't, I wouldn't question their ability to go and play in other leagues because just because they haven't done that. It's like when people say Messi isn't one of the greatest ever because he hasn't left Barcelona. It's, it's not relative to, it doesn't make any difference to the guy's ability and talent, does it? Um, you know, so yeah, I, I again, I don't really get that comparison either. Uh, Topher says Ward Prowse. What about Ward Prowse? I'd, I'd, I'd take Ward Prowse at Arsenal. I think he's a really talented player. I think he brings obviously um, the ability to deliver really good set pieces as well. I think he's a player who's thrived under Ralph Hasenhutl, uh, thrived as a result of the extra responsibility that Ralph gave him, of course, from the minute he sussed out that Hoybjerg wanted to leave, um, you know, from the minute that became a thing, uh, you know, Hoiberg was talking in the press uh, about sort of the, his plans of eventually moving on from Southampton. Southampton was always a stepping stone for Pierre Emil Hoiberg. I think he thought he was going to end up somewhere big. He ended up at Tottenham, but that's another debate uh, for another day. But yeah, Will Prowse has, has thrived under the additional uh, sort of responsibility that's been given to him by by Ralph Hasen, who of course named captain uh, after all of that uh, Hoiberg stuff as well. So yeah, he's a good player and I, I really like him. I really like him. But again, you know, when you're talking about bringing players um, 
from from the uh, from fellow Premier League clubs. You're talking about having to pay that Premier League premium as well, which, as we know, can be massive, can be ridiculous. Just look at Harry Maguire uh, as a great uh, example of someone uh, who Manchester United had to pay well over the odds for uh, to get him because he was coming from a fellow Premier League club. Chris says, Harry, people here don't watch the Bundesliga. Brandt is a decent number 10. Klopp wanted him before. Um, so, uh, you know, it's very split, isn't it? Uh, it's very split. There's there's some of you that would prefer to see Buendia come in. Some of you that would prefer to see, um, that, that would prefer to see Julian Brandt come in. I'm just quickly scrolling through some of your comments uh, right now. Pretty much the same kind of theme, you know, Buendia. Um, some of you want Buendia, as I said, and some of you would prefer to see Julian Brandt. So we're going to have to wait and see how the window unfolds. Uh, knowing Arsenal, we probably will end up with none of them and we'll probably go and sign somebody that we never heard of and never thought was even under consideration. That is just the Arsenal way, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, continue to let me know your thoughts in the comments. Drop your questions in as well. Actually, hold fire on the questions. We'll do the questions in a bit. We've got a couple more things uh, to discuss, but we will do a, a Q&A session at the end of this podcast. So hold fire on that. Um, if you've got any questions that are relevant to what I'm talking about at the time, then of course, fire those in the chat now uh, so that I can see them uh, and I can uh, try my best to answer as many of those as possible. Right. Um, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to leave us a review for listening on the audio. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to discuss um, an exclusive report that came out this afternoon. Was it this afternoon? Um, let me just double check that. I don't want to get it wrong. Um, I read it today. Let me just, uh, double check that. Cause I don't, I don't like getting things wrong, particularly when I'm attributing, uh, reports to people. Cause I hate that. Um, you know, I like it to be, uh, as accurate as possible. Yep. It, it came out this afternoon, 3.34 PM, uh, an exclusive from the Guna fanzine. Now I'm sure, uh, you've all heard of the Guna fanzine. It's a fantastic uh, publication. I'm delighted to have written my first column in the last issue, and I'm going to be writing another one in the upcoming issue as well. So really looking forward uh, to doing that again. Um, but it came from Dan Mountney, who's an excellent journalist um, and uh, someone I can call a friend as well. And he said, well, he revealed that Arsenal have uh, identified their long-term replacement for Alexander Lacazette. And that is... RB Salzburg's Patson Dakar. Uh, now, I don't know if you know a great deal about Patson Dakar. He's a 22-year-old Zambian forward. Um, 15 goals in 17 appearances this season. Managed 27 goals last season. And according to transfermarket.co.uk, he's valued at around about £18 million. Now, the report goes on to say that, um, that in order for Arsenal to, to get Patson Dakar, in order for, for RB Salzburg to be convinced of selling Patson Dakar, they would be looking for around about £20 million. Now, £20 million is a reasonable amount of money for a striker who simply cannot stop scoring. Um, he is he's really having a good season. And, and some of you are saying in the live chat who, let me bring up his uh, transfer market profile uh, for those of you that are not um, fully aware of, of, of who this young lad is. And 
you know, admittedly, I've not seen a great deal of him playing. I've heard the name on multiple occasions. He is someone uh, who's making quite the name for himself. Uh, Russ Morgan says, Daka is good on F- FIFA. There you go. <laughs> that's a, that's how people judge players nowadays, mate. No joke. That really is. Uh, let's um, let's bring up his transfer market profile on the screen for you guys so you can see that. Uh, Patson Daka, here he is. Um 22-year-old Zambian international, uh, managed eight goals and three assists in the Austrian Bundesliga so far this season. Uh, Just did one assist in the Champions League uh, so far. Uh, Managed five goals in the OFB Cup so far this season. And of course, uh, two goals in the Champions League qualifying section. Uh, He started in the Bundesliga. He started just 50% at a time uh, for uh, RB Salzburg. And we'll just have a look into why that is. Um, I'd imagine injury. Yep, there you go. Hamstring injury, uh, which kept him out between the 31st of October and the 28th of November. So you can understand, um, you know, maybe why um, some people would be sceptical uh, about bringing in Pats and Daka, but he is a player that Arsenal are being linked with. And according to the Guna fanzine, he is the man that Arsenal are eyeing up as the long-term replacement for Alexander Lacazette, who, of course, at the end of this season, enters into the final year of his contract. So a decision really needs to start being made about what the future is going to hold for Alexander Lacazette. We told you on one of yesterday's shows that um, the talks are going to be put on hold until the summer. I think it's probably the right thing, the smart thing to do. Um, But yeah, it looks as though, according to the Guna fanzine, Arsenal are making plans or at least trying to identify some potential replacements for Alexander Lacazette. What have you guys got to say on that? A says, prefer Edouard, skillful link-up striker, referring to Celtic's uh, Odsone Edouard. Chris also agrees. What about Odsone Edouard? Dakar, I haven't seen much. <laughs> Dilly Dilly says, I've seen Dakar in a FIFA career mode, not in a master. <laughs> um, Don Giovanni would also prefer Edouard. Um, Kunze says, Dakar is brilliant and electric. I travelled to Lusaka, Zambia, to watch him play. There you go. You've got someone with some first-hand experience of watching Dakar in the flesh. Um, so, yeah, uh, interesting. And, and and on the striker thing, um, where is it? I just saw a, a good question. Um, on the striker thing, Jay says, do you think we will sell Enketia and promote Balogun? I think if the right offer comes in for Enketia, yeah. But that offer is still not on the table, is it? I mean, we spoke about it a little bit earlier on that Wolves are said to be interested. (coughs) Apologies. Wolves are said to be interested. Remains to be seen whether they're going to actually make a bid or not. But if they are going to make a bid around about the 15, 20 million pound mark, like the suggestions um, are, then you you bite their hand off and you promote Balogun. I agree that because I don't think the difference between the two is 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 that big and, and when you consider how much more football Eddie and Ketty has played that that tells you all you need to know I think uh, just finally on Dakar um Aditya says Dakar is a hella quick got an eye for a goal decent bet but I don't think he's the right profile Edouard is more well-rounded and has a decent eye for goal really good link up and re- also great hold up play so it's pretty clear that lots of you would like to see uh, Odsone Edouard coming from Celtic and things aren't going too great um, at Celtic at the moment. They fell even further behind Glasgow Rangers at the weekend in as they go, as Celtic looked to, well, looked 
to uh, wrap up their 10 in a 10th premiership title in a row looks as though that is going out the window so um yeah uh Otsane Edward could well be on the move he, he could well be um what else did we want to discuss let's talk about the Premier League's uh announcement this afternoon and then We'll do your questions. So this is the perfect opportunity now uh, for you to get your questions, anything Arsenal, anything football related in the chat box. And I'll pick up as many of those as possible before we round up today. Uh, so you've got a couple of minutes to do that while we discuss um, the, the Premier League's announcement that there were 40 positive COVID cases from the Premier League reported just between December 28th and January 3rd. Now, should the Premier League be reconsidering um, the fact that they're going to continue through this national lockdown? I'd like to think not. I mean, I said it on the show earlier on. What would we do without football right now um, in terms of, forget work, in terms of just mental health? Um, you know, it, it's so important to so many people. It gives us something to talk about, gives us something to focus on, gives us something to, um, you know, to to look forward to on days like today where you know today it's really got to me that we've been in 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 lockdown you know it's really got to me that the situation that we find ourselves in and I feel like football is is helping me through that and I'm sure it's helping loads of you through that and when I saw that announcement today that 40 players or it's not just players it's members of staff as well but 40 people from the Premier League have, have tested positive, you start to worry and you start to feel like it might be the first step towards the Premier League having to stop. And that concerns me, that scares me, that worries me. Obviously, though, the priority is to keep the players and the people involved with the club safe. And that's got to be the number one. So if it means football stops for a bit, then then so be it. As much as I don't want that to happen, as much as I don't want that to be the case, anything other than prioritising the safety and the well-being of the players is wrong. Um, the players and the staff, of course, then it is wrong. Uh, right, let's um, let's go over to some of your questions. Fingers crossed that isn't the case and we don't have to talk about this again. Uh, but that those numbers just rocked me a little bit. You know, um, you, you know you, you've got to consider that it seems quite a fair few of, of people, of players in particular, broke the COVID rules as well over that period, which is even worse, you know, to, to, to find yourself in a situation where we're now worried about the numbers as a result of people breaking the rules rather than anything else is, is upsetting and frustrating. You know, these people are so privileged to do what they do and they still break the bloody rules. Um, but there we go. It's a debate for another day. Uh, let's go over to some of your questions now. Patrick Kane says, and, and I'm only addressing this one because you've put it in the chat a few times and I don't, I wouldn't normally even entertain something like this. Are you a fan of Lee Gunner? I don't agree with a lot of Lee Gunner's views, but they're his views and each to their own, man. That's that's how it is. He he came on our phone-in show a few weeks ago now. I think it was maybe two weeks ago um, because I wanted to make the point that there is no, um, you know, even though I don't agree with him, it's it's not it's not personal. I don't have it personal with anyone when it comes to uh, discussing Arsenal Football Club. We might have different opinions. That's fine. Um, and that's all it is. Um, but, you know, you're obviously trying to get a reaction out of me um, that you can make something of by asking that question. But as I said, don't agree with all his views, but he knows that. That's no secret. Um, but that's it. 
it's as simple as that. Um, nothing more to say. Um, I see what you guys are saying in terms of your questions. Uh, Nasser says, please discuss Tolaji Bola. I can't. Um, I've got to be honest. I don't know enough about him. Um, you know, I haven't watched him um, a great deal. A couple of brief appearances for the under 23s. Um, three appearances so far this season. No goals. Um, you know, he's, he, he, for me, I, I don't know enough about him. You know, I just don't know enough about him. We're talking about, uh, po apologies, we're talking about a left-back here who I've seen brief bits of, but I don't know uh, enough about him to sit and give you any insight. And maybe, you know, if he gets to the point where he's breaking into the side or he's close to it, um, we can talk about him in a little bit more detail. We can do some research and we can get someone on who perhaps knows a little bit more, but I couldn't give you the download really on Tolaji Bola, I've got to be honest. Uh, Rahil Durrani says, where do you think Arsenal will finish the season if we don't sign anyone in January? If we don't sign anyone in January, I'm going to hang my hat on sixth. I'm going to say sixth, um, which still wouldn't be good enough. But it'd be an improvement on, on last season, I guess. And given our start, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But sixth would be... With six, you'd need to do something else. You'd need to go far in the Europa League, need to win the FA Cup, something um, to keep the fans off your back. Because Mikel Arteta, um, I don't think he's going to get away with a sixth place finish. Um, and if we don't sign anybody, all the grumbles will start again about the club not going in the right direction, the club not backing him properly. And it just becomes that vicious cycle again. And that rut that Arsenal have been in for years and years and years um, doesn't feel like it, it would be getting any better or that we'd be moving away from that. Uh, Jay says, do you think selling in Ketia, Nelson and Willock is risky considering we sold Gnabry at the same age? No, because I don't think any of them have got anywhere near the talent that Gnabry has. Um, I really don't. Um, and I know there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there that, that worry about Reese Nelson and suggest that Arsenal are missing the trick by not using Reese Nelson, um, more than they do and and I never really understand that because for me until a player shows it until a player proves it what are you basing that on like what this massive hope that people have for those three players that you've mentioned there what is it based on if somebody could tell me what it was based on and give me a rational argument as to why those players are players that we should be desperately trying to keep hold of players that we should be um you know prioritizing in terms of selection in terms of those that we give opportunities to, but nobody can, you know, it's all, oh, they did it in the under 23s. You know, Reese Nelson went out on loan to Germany, did well for half a season, was terrible for the second part of the season. Um, and, and I think people forget that. And, and I'd, I'd be interested to know the reason why um, some, so many Arsenal fans are really behind those players. Yes. You want your youngsters to do well in an ideal scenario, but what is it that you've seen from Willock, from Nketiah, from Nelson, that suggests that they're capable of going on and being top, top players and leading the line for Arsenal. I, I, I me personally, I don't see it. Topher says, would you prefer us to save money and hold out until the summer to make the correct signings rather than putting out cash on risk players this January window? Yeah, 100% said that all along. Um, we, we've been working on the core of the team um, since Mikel came in. Thomas Partey's joined, Gabriel's joined, Pablo Marie is starting to look like a decent centre-half as well. We've got a decent keeper in Bern Leno. We signed up Aubameyang up top. 
Lacazette's playing well at the moment. Now you add the Smith Rose and the Martinelli's and the Sackers into the picture as well. And I think Arsenal uh, are in pretty good shape. Not ideal shape. We still need to do more business. We still need to shift some deadwood. But it, if you if you're talking about when you say risk players, if you're talking about some of the ones we've been linked with, and for all the the sort of praise I've given Julian Brandt uh, earlier on in the show, and for all the praise that some of you guys have given Emi Buendia, I think they're both risk players to a degree. You know, every signing has an element of risk to it, but those two, one is not playing very well at the moment, and one is producing, but he's producing in a lower division, and you should not disregard that, in my opinion. Uh, let's see what else uh, you guys are saying in terms of some of your uh, questions. Uh, Patrick Kane says, didn't mean any hurt with that comment. I just don't agree with his negativity. No, that's fine, mate. Sorry, I took that the wrong way. Um, and probably because people have done it to me on here before where they've come on and they've tried to wind me up to get an answer out of me that they can then go on Twitter and on social media and say, oh, look, Harry said this about this person. Um, so that's that's where that comes from. So uh, no, that's absolutely fine, mate. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, I'm just going to pick up a few more, just completely at random. Neil D'Souza says, big up, Harry. We need to sell Laka. New contract to Balogun. Uh, Philip Bingling's backup for Tea Party. McGinn backup for Danny Buendia up for Emil Smith-Rowe. You've got it all figured out, mate. <laughs> You've got it all figured out. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot of potential business that you could do. Let's be honest, you know, Danny Sabayos for me is probably not going to be at the club at the end of this. Well, isn't based on his comments that we discussed on the show earlier on today. Danny Sabayos won't be at Arsenal next season. Uh, we've got to accept that. We've got to understand that. Um, and that's fine. As for Buendia, you know, that is has been largely discussed on this programme so far. You know my thoughts on him. In terms of the players that we need to sell, I think we can all agree that there are probably a number of players actually that we need to sell before uh, Lacazette because there are bigger um, sort of problems within the squad. I, I do think that. Um, Minathi says, hi, Harry, is it true that Barcelona are interested in Hector Bellerin? It's true that Joan Laporta, who is bidding to become the president of Barcelona again, has publicly stated that he likes Hector Bellerin, but he's got to get in power first. And then you've got to take into account the difficult financial situation that Barcelona are currently in and whether or not they'd be able to table a bid that would persuade Mikel Arteta in the Arsenal hierarchy to let Hector Bellerin go. Joan Laporta has made no secret of it. He's made it clear he likes Hector Bellerin, but he's got to get in power first. And then when he does... You'll see if uh, if actually they're serious about this and um, whether they have the money to do it and, and whether they'll put their money where their mouth is. Um, thank you for all the shout outs in the chat. Uh, there's loads coming through, um, which I really, really appreciate. Um, NYB comps. I better answer this one because he's put it in the chat 15 times. Uh, good afternoon, Harry. Would you like Basuma from Brighton? Or huge ass from Swansea. Yeah, good one. Um, I think that we should strengthen our midfield. Um, I, I do like Basuma. I feel like he's a little bit um, similar to uh, Thomas Partey in his style. And so I wouldn't necessarily move for him as a priority, but I do think he's a decent player. And as for your huge ass, mate, I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> so um, nice one. Tried to get me. Not going to happen. Uh, let's see what else we got here. 
Um, let's pick out a couple more. Uh, Rahil Durrani says, when is the next phone-in show? Um, later this week, I would say. I'm going to say that we'll probably do one on Saturday after the Newcastle game in the FA Cup. Feels like a good time to bring it back. Um, but that is dependent on my work schedule, as is everything, which is why um, I don't get to do them every single week, which is a little bit disappointing, I know. But um, yeah, uh, Saturday would be the plan. So Saturday after the game against Newcastle United, uh, we'll look to do a little bit of a fans phone in uh, for the second half of the show for sure. Uh, right. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying in the live chat. We're nearing the end of this, uh, podcast at the moment and we're getting there slowly. So let me know where it is uh, that you're joining us from and I'll give you a shout out before we say goodbye. Um, let's see, uh, let's pick up this one junior gunner harry why did teams in germany all play with a high line and wonder why teams like Bayern put five past them there's so much space in behind the bundesliga defenses i just think that there's a lot of attacking emphasis in the bundesliga and that's why you see teams squeeze up i think the bundesliga is a lot more tactically sophisticated than people give it credit for um and i probably didn't and I, hands up you know i probably didn't realize that until i started working on it at the back end of last season after the restart obviously uh the bundesliga was one of the first uh first leagues to come back and i was lucky enough to get some work on a few games and and i did you know, only when you watch a game properly and you study it and you really focus on it and, you you know, you're not on your phone on Twitter during it and you, you work. When I'm working on a game, like I've got tunnel vision, I don't look at my phone. I don't look at Twitter. I don't look at anything. It's literally just me and the game. And, and, and in that case, in that situation, when I was watching the Bundesliga, I did notice a lot of tactical stuff. I was really lucky to be joined by Lee Scott as well, known as FM Analysis on Twitter, who's written a number of books about lots of different tactical concepts and different football men and and stuff like that. And, and having him alongside me as my co-commentator really helped me to open my eyes and see uh, a lot of that stuff as well. So it is a very tactically sophisticated league. Um, I don't think all the teams play with with a high line. I've seen the likes of Union Berlin, for example, go and park the bus at various places. And, um, you know, I don't think that's a, a specific characteristic. I'd say a lot of teams do it because a lot of teams uh, have an attacking philosophy in that division. Put it this way, you don't get as many Burnleys and uh, West Broms and people like that because you don't get many Sean Dices and Sam Allardyces in the German Bundesliga. It's as simple as that. Um, but thank you for your question. It's a great question, even if not, Arsenal related. Right, let's uh, give you guys a shout out to where you're listening to us from. Omar in Nairobi. Uh, thank you for joining. As always, mate, one of our regulars, Kevin in Hounslow. Uh, the real captain says, hey, Harry, good show as always. Thank you. Neil joins us from Mitcham, South London. Marshall joins us from uh, Harlem. Uh, Junior joins us from Accra. Um, Minathi Fro, I don't know what that means. Uh, the real captain joins us from West London. Uh, Rahil is in Luxembourg. Alex is in New York City. Aditya joins us from India. Um, what else have we got here in terms of your locations? 
Uh, Minathi from Cape Town, South Africa. There you guys finished it off there. Uh, I saw Tufnell Park. Where is it? Yeah, Tufnell Park, North London. Uh, Slough, Doha, Qatar, Toronto, Sheffield, DC, um, Dublin. Thank you so much. Uh, Marshall says, Harry, your channel is so underrated. You definitely deserve a million subs. Wow. That would be the day, wouldn't it? Uh, keep up the great work, bro. Much love from America, Harlem. Thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate your kind words. And that gives me a perfect segue into reminding you that if you haven't, uh, already make sure you are subscribed to the channel and you turn those notifications on. Uh, please do that. And of course, like the video if you haven't already. Big hello to um, John in Ireland, to Flo Show in Nigeria, uh, to Patrick who's in Leon C, uh, to Christy in Sheffield, uh, to Milka in Niedersarschen. Have I said that right? In Germany, he says, say it right in the comments as well. Milka in Niedersachsen, Germany. They, that's my best effort. Uh, Marley's in Milton Keynes. Lijos in Dubai. Uh, what else have we got? Um, yeah. Lots of you joining us from all over the world, all over Europe, all over England. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for your continued support. We are going to leave it there um, on this afternoon's transfer update show. So we've discussed the uh, Buendia brand dilemma. We've discussed Arsenal's uh, target as a long-term replacement for uh, Alexander Lacazette as per the Guna fanzine. And we've discussed the Premier League's announcement that there were 40 positive COVID tests um, in the uh, Premier League over a what, four or five-day period, which is worrying. Really, really is. Uh, Aditya points out in the comments that there's 212 people watching uh, on YouTube at this minute in time. And, and there's only 19 likes. Come on, guys. Let's sort that out. Uh, smash the like button if you haven't already. Likes really, really do help push the videos up the rankings. Thank you so much. A few more shout-outs quickly. Cork, Pakistan, Bangalore. Thank you all so much uh, for tuning in. We'll be back very, very soon uh, with more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.